Hello and welcome to When I Found Grace podcast. So what's the deal between the God of the New Testament and the God of the Old Testament? Coming up next. By grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. By grace through faith. Welcome to another podcast of When I Found Grace. Yep, I'm excited. We get another episode, and today we get to talk about a topic or maybe even a discussion that I think that we find within not just the church, but also in the culture in general, because there's this discussion about the God of the Old Testament versus the God of the New Testament. And I kind of want to break maybe some of the molds that are are formed because of our thought process that goes behind that. And I I want us to examine this maybe a little bit more scripturally today, uh, just so we can have a better understanding of what this means and what it is. Because quite honestly, there there are some things that that I think that are... um, are good for understanding, but but sometimes those those uh, ideas might hurt our view or our opinion of of God. And and I say that because when we talk about the Old Testament, a, a lot of people are very afraid of it, uh, especially as you go through uh, the law. Um, even as you go through the prophets, you think about wow, there's a, a lot of things that are in here that that just seem uh, maybe maybe dark. Or um, quite quite brutal. Maybe maybe doesn't quite swing with our uh, worldly viewpoint of how we view things. And so, when when we look at scripture, a lot of times what we have to do is we have to get rid of kind of our our preconceived notions of of what it means and what it is. Um, and, and I say that in the ways of when we take our culture. And we start to apply it to the biblical times, we can get ourselves into a lot of trouble because we we look at God and we say, wow, God was really demanding of his people in the Old Testament. And and there there's some some truth to that, but there's also some things about that that I just don't find um, necessarily true uh, all the time. Um and and I'm I'm going to give you some examples of that, but um, one of the things that brought this up is as I've been going through um, the Bible and and just kind of been reading through it, some of these things really kind of came up um, to uh, as as I've been going through, and I thought, wow, that's that's interesting because that that's not how I would have imagined it. That's not how I would have have seen it. Um, now, now I, I do want to take us to it before we get into some of this Old Testament stuff. Just quickly take us into the the New Testament, because in in Galatians, especially Paul, kind of gives us this purpose of the law. He kind of gives us this this understanding of what the law is, and and he talks about the law as a as a tutor, as 
as a tutor to us in, in Galatians chapter three, um, he, he talks about it in, in this way. He says, brethren, I speak in terms of human relations, even though it is only a man's covenant yet when it has been ratified, no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds as referring to many, but rather to one and to your seed that is Christ. What am I saying is this, the law, which came 430 years later, does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. So what he's saying there is that, that look, the, the law doesn't ratify, it doesn't get rid of the promise because the promise came before the law. Um, but he says this, he goes on, he says, if the inheritance is based on the law, it is no longer based on a promise, but God has granted it to Abraham by means of a promise. Why the law then? And so that's the biggest question. Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions, having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. And now, now that seed we know is Jesus Christ, that, that the law was there because of their sin, because of their transgressions. And, and now he goes on, he says, a mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is only one. Is the law contrary then to the promises of God? May it never be. For if a law had been given, which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on the law. But the scripture has shut up everyone under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Uh, But faith came, um, but before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law being shut up to the faith, which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor and so then he goes on and he, he talks about Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, and, um, and all those things. But, but really the idea is that the law is our tutor. And it's even a tutor for us, even, even now, um, we are saved by, by faith. And it's been that we are saved by faith. In fact, Paul talks about it in, um, all the way to the Romans. He says it is, it is those who are the faith of Abraham that, that are saved. And so it's really a, a, a cool uh, thing that, that the Lord has done and that he's set up. But, but the reality is, is that that law was set up because of transgression, because of our sin. And we look at that and we say, wow, I mean, because of our sin, we we need something to kind of, you know, keep us in line, to, to keep us um, from sinning. And, and even though our, our faith in, in God, it's, it's free and, and we don't have to earn that. We don't have to rely on the law to earn our salvation. But yet, one of the things that I know we've talked about before is that the law does expose the heart of God. In fact, one guy had, had talked about and we mentioned about how um, the law was you look at the Ten Commandments, you know, Jesus says, he says, you know, that the law is predicated around these these two things, that at first, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. And when you look at the commandments, you know, the first the first four commandments are, are based off of how to love God. And then the last six commandments of those Ten Commandments, 
are how to love your fellow man, how to love your neighbor. And, and when you look at it like that, it's like, oh, okay, these are things that you do to, to love God and to love your neighbor. And, and so the law isn't rid of, and, and Jesus even says that, you know, the, the law, I, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill the law. But still that law speaks of God's heart. And so, so one of the things that I, I wanted to kind of take home with this a little bit more is how did they view the law in the Old Testament? How did they view it? How did they view God? How did they um, go through and, and how did they wrestle with the, the law and, and all of its requirements and, and all those things? And um, one of the things that, that stuck up out to me was uh, Nehemiah. Nehemiah, uh, as he um, brought people back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls, um, but but he says this, and, and I, I love this in, in Nehemiah nine. Um, he talks about he says to the Lord as he's saying um, he. He says in, in 9 verse 16, he says, but they, our fathers, acted arrogantly. They become stop, became stubborn and would not listen to your commandments. They refused to listen and did not remember your wondrous deeds, which you had performed among them. So they became stubborn and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. And you did not forsake them. And later on, he he goes on, he says, nevertheless, in your great compassion, you did not make an end of them or forsake them, for you are a gracious and compassionate God. And what a wonderful way for him to to look at God, to expose and to say, man, Lord, we act sinfully, we act arrogantly, but yet you are gracious, you are loving. And, And this is how Nehemiah viewed him. In fact, in, in Psalm, we, we talk about, we see them talking about several times in Psalms where they say this exact same thing, gracious and compassionate, or compassionate and gracious, the, the Lord is. And in fact, one of the most famous times is Jonah. Jonah, when he's running away from God, and, and, and the Lord, he takes him and he says, no, you go to Nineveh. He went to Nineveh. He proclaimed judgment to Nineveh, and then God relented of his wrath because they repented. And and so so Jonah, he, he says, he says, Lord, this is why I, I didn't want to go there, because I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, and one who relents concerning calamity. So my my question is, or or maybe my my thought is, is is this God of the Old Testament, and that we so often say, oh, he's different, different than the God of the New Testament. Are they really different, and are they viewed differently? And my argument is, no, they they aren't viewed differently. They aren't viewed. Um, because we view God, we view Jesus as the gracious and compassionate God, and 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 I I feel like in our arrogance we view God of the Old Testament as oh the God of judgment, the God of wrath. But I don't think that's true, because all through the Old Testament 
the people that were being affected by God, that were being affected by the law, these are the people that are saying, oh, Lord, you are a gracious and compassionate God. And they recognize that in him. And now, not to say that, that you know, we are under the law, and I don't want to turn anybody to start saying, oh, well, we're going to follow the law, uh, you know, to the letter and that we're going to earn our salvation from that because Paul does address that. But I do want to say this is that the God of the old Testament is still the God of the new Testament. And that as God says, he says, I have never changed. He doesn't change. And for us to know that, that yeah, he didn't view his people differently than he views us. He views everybody with love, gracious, and compassionate. And so as we read the Old Testament, I, I want to encourage people, go to the Old Testament and read the Old Testament. Read about his loving kindness to his own people. Read about how he delivered them, even amongst their sinfulness, and understand that our God is such a wonderful, gracious God, one who is worthy to be praised. And, and, and even Jesus, one of the most telling things with Jesus is Jesus says, I and the Father, I and the Father are one. Jesus says that everything that I do, I do because the Father told me to do it. That it was the Father's direction that he was doing these things. So, as we move on and, and we go on with life, I want, I want you to remember this. Remember God's gracious, compassionate love towards us and that he has never changed. And because he has never changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we can fully know that God will never change even in our future, that God will still deal with his people in a loving gracious and compassionate way and that's a god that is worthy to be praised amen all right well you all have a great week we'll see you next time you have